Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our Kernavan and Weekly Bible Study for June 6, 2010. We're going to talk a little bit about the oil spill now in the Gulf. And uh, first article is BP oil leak may last until Christmas now, they're saying. Potential scenario. BP's failure since April to plug a Gulf of Mexico oil leak has prompted forecasts the crude may continue gushing into December in what President Barack Obama has called the greatest environmental disaster in U.S. history. The ultimate worst-case scenario is that the well is never successfully plugged, said Fred Aminzadi, a research professor at the University of Southern Cal's Center for Integrated Smart Oil Fields, who previously worked for Unical Corp. That would leave the well to flow for probably more than a decade. Now, I can't believe that's going to happen, but... You know, again, they, they don't release this information for, you know, there, there's reasons they let this information get out. Now, I've heard that it's at the end of August when the relief wells are du- are, are, um, are are properly dug, I guess, is what or drilled. And the relief wells, what supposedly they're doing is they're going down way out to the side and they're curving the, these, these um, relief well drills in. And it's kind of like trying to hit a dinner plate under, like, miles of ground with a drill. Because at that point, the pipe's so thin where the oil's coming through, it's only the size of a dinner plate. And then what they do is they pump in this mud, which goes into the pipe, and it seals it. And they're saying that's a real effective way to do it. Whatever. You got you, you know, we, we've got all this technology, and you're telling me we can't plug a hole you know, it's it's such an asinine bunch of garbage is what we're really dealing with here. And I'm going to, again, prove that today um, with what we're talking about. Because there's such an overwhelming amount of information from last week's study and the week before that, that this has been a planned uh, false flag type of, of a, not really false flag, but it was a planned event. It was, it was all done on purpose. And I think that we can um, easily prove that. I found this, somebody sent me this to me this week. It was BP's previous unbelievable logo from the 1990s. I'm not exactly sure when uh, this logo was used. It's pretty much the same logo they've got now, but I found it rather interesting. I'm gonna, I'm just going to bring it up here on the computer. Okay, so correction here. I just checked this out. I wanted. It just seemed a little too. I don't know. This logo. It's actually satire. So I just wanted to point that out, this BP logo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove that from the newsletter. But the, the logo says, BP, we're bringing oil to American shores. And literally, that's pretty much what's happening right now. So, anyway, um, I'll go ahead and remove that. But, that's why it's always good to kind of double-check everything before you put it up there. Anyway, next article. Illuminati plan BP oil spread simulation map. Now, this isn't something that's secret. This is something I've seen on, on the news or whatever, where they're, they're simulating the spread of oil um, regarding the, um, this flow pattern that, um, that we're seeing on the TV, where the oil will ultimately end up. Now, I couldn't post these pictures either in my newsletter or in the PDF that I'll be putting up there because they were JPEG files, and if I send this out... They're going to be huge attachments to the newsletter, and a lot of your email providers are going to kick them back to me. Just understand that if you're not getting this newsletter and you're on my list, 
I've had a lot of problem with certain carriers like AOL and other ones that are just rejecting these emails right off the bat. So if you're not getting <coughs> the emails or the newsletters, bear in mind that's probably the reason. Because if I add you on, they sh- you should be getting them. But uh, that might be happening. With this, I give you a link where I believe you'll be able to look at this simulation map. But as you can see by, and this is, I'm reading from this, as you can see by comparing the original oil spill plan from, again, this Illuminati card game that we had talked about last week where it was actually, it was literally like an oil tower on top of the world spewing out oil all over the world. That's what the card was. When you look at that and you compare it to the supercomputer oil spill simulation model that, that has been in mainstream media, the oil spread is occurring according to this Illuminati plan. It is the reason BP's repeated efforts have been so spectacularly unsuccessful, meaning they're doing it on purpose. This is by design. It's the order they're creating out of the chaos they're creating. The oil will continue until enough crude is in the ocean that it can spread to multiple oceans just as on the card above. Well, may or may not. I don't know. But there could be other oil spills other places as well. When a Category 5 hurricane starts churning the slick, the oil will spread all over at a much higher rate. Now again, another thing. This is one of the worst predicted hurricane seasons on record right now. They're predicting, I think, 15 major storms. It's like five more than normal. So, <clears throat> that gets into the Gulf with all this dispersant, that this, which is four times more toxic than the oil that they're using, this core exit dispersant. And then you got the oil. Uh, that by itself could spread this oil all over, particularly the areas in the Gulf region. And um, it's another thing to think about. Here's... Here's something that's just unbelievable, and this is all becoming mainstream news. Again, it's not reported on, you know, the nightly news, but it is. You're able to find it pretty easily. This is from, um, uh, let's see here, Goldman Sachs sold 250 million dollars of BP stock before the spill. Goldman Sachs stock sale was nearly twice as large as any other institution. It represented 44% of the total BP investment. The brokerage firm that faced the most that faced the most scrutiny from regulators in the past year over the shorting of mortgage-related securities, this is Goldman Sachs, seems to have a good thing have good timing when it came to something else, the stock of British of the British oil giant BP. According to regulatory filings, uh, rawstory.com has found that Goldman Sachs sold over 4 million shares of BP in the first quarter of 2010 before the oil spill happened. Goldman sales were the largest of any firm during that time. Goldman would have pocketed slightly more than 266 millions if their holdings were sold at the average price of BP stock during the quarter. If Goldman had sold these shares today, their investment would have lost 36% of its value or $96 million. The share sales represented 44% of Goldman holdings. That's a lot. Meaning that Goldman's remaining holdings have have still lost tens of millions in value. Anyway. So in other words, they knew this was going to happen. They sold the stock off before it. And do we have any other examples of this? Yeah, we sure do. 
Next article. BP Chief Tony Hayward. This is this uh, mentally deficient man that uh, BP keeps putting on the camera. I believe he's the one that said, I want my, I want my life back. He had the audacity to say that um, on camera. BP Chief Tony Hayward sold shares week before the oil spill. The chief executive of BP sold 1.4 million of his shares in the fuel giants, in the fuel giant of BP, weeks before the Gulf of Mexico oil spill gusher. Tony Hayward cashed in about a third of his whole of of his holdings in the company one month before a well on the Deep Horizon oil rig burst, causing an environmental disaster. Mr. Hayward, who, whose pay package is 400 or 4 million pounds a year, then paid off the mortgage on his family mansion on his family's mansion in Kent, which is estimated to be valued at 1.2 million pounds. His decision means he avoided losing more than 423 423,000 pounds when BP's price share plunged after the oil spill began six weeks ago. So there's another guy that did it. The head of BP. Because he knew about it. So did Goldman Sachs. This thing stinks so bad. It's not, I mean, the fact that Halliburton cemented the oil well, oil well, 20 hours before it blew. I mean, I've seen all kind of stuff I'm not even reporting on because I can't get any real kind of verification. These are things that are, that are easily verifiable. And I give you the links, you can go check them out for yourself. But I've heard all kinds of stuff of how they brought in a separate crew before this thing blew and and that it was actually, the thing was rigged to blow. And I mean, one thing after another, hopefully after the, the last three to four studies we've done, there should be no doubt in your mind that this was all premeditated and they did it on purpose. Because... I'm letting the information speak for itself. I'm not saying that. The information is clearly, clearly pointing that out. Here's another article from the European Union Times. <clears throat> A dire report prepared by, for President Medvedev by Russia's Ministry of Natural Resources is warning today that, uh, and this is not source of file, okay, so don't think it is, <clears throat> prepared for by Russia's Ministry of Natural Resources, is warning today that British Petroleum Oil and Gas Leak in Gulf of Mexico is about to become the worst environmental catastrophe in all of human history, threatening the entire eastern half of the North American continent with, quote, total destruction. Now, they're going to tell you why they're saying that, because I didn't understand that either when I first read it. Russian scientists are basing their apocalyptic destruction assessment due to BP's use of millions of gallons of chemical dispersion agent known as Corexit 9500, which we talked extensively about last week, which is being pumped directly into the leak of this wellhead over a mile under the Gulf of Mexico. And design, this report says, to keep hidden from the American public the full and the tragic extent of this leak that is now estimated to be over 2.9 million gallons a day. The dispersal agent Corexit 9500 is a solvent originally developed by Exxon, is now manufactured by Nalco Holding Company, of whom Goldman Sachs, I believe, owns. We we, we reported on this last week. I mean, it's so corrupt. It's just... I just wish they would let 10% of this information out. People are already outraged as it is, but if they really knew the truth, I mean, there would probably be riots, I would imagine, in the streets. Corexit's manufactured by Nalco Holding Company of Naperville, Illinois, that is four times more toxic than oil itself. 
which oil is toxic at 11 parts per million when it's in water, whereas Coregs at 9,500 is toxic at 2.61 parts per million, so it's four times more toxic. In a report written for Exxon Biomedical Sciences titled Acute Aquatic Toxicity of Three Coregsic Products, an overview, and I give you the link to that if you want to check it out, Coregsit 9500 was found to be one of the most toxic dispersal agents ever developed. Even worse, according to the report, with higher water temperatures that are happening now in the Gulf, those are like, like those that are now occurring, its toxicity actually grows at higher water temperatures. The United States Environmental Protection Agency is discovering BP's use of this dangerous, dangerous dispersal agent ordered when they discovered it, they ordered BP to stop using it. But BP refused, stating their only other alternative to the Corex at 9500 was an even more dangerous dispersal agent known as CBRAT-4. And again, there's links to all these little things that I'm talking about. CBRAT-4, when BP refused it. So you can go to the actual source article. The main difference between, and this is all lies anyway, because there's far less toxic agents that they could have used. And we proved that in previous studies. They're just saying this uh, because they're liars. <clears throat> the main difference between Coregsit 9500 and Seabrat 4 lie in how long these dangerous chemicals take to degrade into their constituent organic compounds. Coregsit 9500 takes 28 days. Seabrat 4, on the other hand, um, can persist for years. A greater danger involving the Coregsit 9500 is that with its 2.61 part per million toxicity level, when combined with the heating Gulf of Mexico waters, its molecules will be able to f- what they call phase transition from their present liquid into a gaseous state, allowing them to be absorbed into the clouds and allowing their release as toxic rain upon all of eastern North America. Even worse, should a Katrina-like tropical hurricane form in the Gulf of Mexico, while tens of millions of gallons of Coregsit 9500 are sitting on or near its surface, the resulting toxic rainfall upon North America continent could theoretically destroy all microbial life to any depth it reaches, resulting in an unimaginable environmental catastrophe, destroying all life forms. Now, again, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control. I'm telling you what they're saying. Now, I also give you a link here to the latest update from um, Hawk up on Steve Quayle on the more Gulf oil spill updates. And um, it's the one where he interviews Greg Everson. And I'll be honest, I'll give you a synopsis of what they said, a little synopsis here. Uh, I kind of talked about this a little bit last week. And again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is what they have said. I have not been able to verify this. Okay, I cannot get verification. Hopefully it's not even true. But I think I should mention a few things that they said in the report. Um, it's called Operation Deadly Tide, Phase 1 Evacuations. They're saying, um, says Greg Everson, who's a former state trooper, has been in Louisiana for several weeks interviewing both military local law enforcement officers. He brings us this report. The federal government, in conjunction with the United Nations, state and local governments have made final planning and protocols to deal with the moving upwards of 40 million people from the Gulf Coast. Uh, residents who live from Texas to the Florida Keys will be in phase one of this forced evacuation. I can't imagine they're going to do it to Texas, okay? But, anyway, initial estimates of the toxic benzene and hydrogen sulfide fumes becoming lethal are approximately from June 15th to June 20th. Uh, These are the evacuation dates for phase one, which June 15th is coming up. 
<clears throat> not too far. She says, a girl at my work who grew up along the Louisiana coast has many relatives there and said that they are all, I repeat, all sick or having, having to visit their doctors with respiratory illnesses. Now, I know for a fact that the fishermen down there who they've hired, who are totally out of work and will be out of work, are getting sick from working out in the Gulf. Whether the residents of Louisiana on the coastline are getting sick, I haven't seen any real reports on that. So again, I'm, take this with a grain of salt. I'm telling you what they're saying. I'm kind of giving you different um, uh, things that I've heard. The tourist industry is dead and many people are out of work because of the situation. Latest reports are saying this oil flow will flow until Christmas. The Operation Deadly Tide will have what they call, quote, clean sweep zones located inland every 500 miles to serve as checkpoints. The troops at these checkpoints consist of combat-ready American, United Nations, Canadian, British, German, and Russians, along with state and local law enforcement officers. Phase 2 will force the evacuation of the East Coast based on how far up the coast the oil goes and the level of concentration. This is reported to be an additional 10 million people. Projected evacuation dates are for this are July 1st through July 10th. There have been sightings of convoys of combat-ready units coming from the desert in New Mexico and headed west. Reports say that these are possible coming from the possible, what they call dumbs, deep underground military bases. Um... The New World Order has an agenda. I believe it is the end-time biblical scenario recorded in the book of Revelation and Daniel. The goal is to reduce world population to around 500 million according to the first commandment of the Georgia Guidestone, which we talked a lot about in the past. Right now, there are about 6.7 billion people on the planet. That means most of the people must go. So, anyway, that's what Everson's was saying to Hawk, essentially. Uh, again, I can't get any verification of this at all. So if you can get me verification, please email me. Um, and I, I, again, I, I've got a lot of stuff I haven't reported on. The, um, about National Guard troops mobilizing and things like this. The problem is I can't get verification, so I'm reluctant to put it out. But um, uh, I think it's just one of those things where you want to be prepared and you don't want to wait until they would initiate an evacuation to go. Because if you wait, it's too late. If, if you wait until they already start announcing it. And I'm including myself in that boat because I'm, you know, in southwest Florida. I'm in a real bad situation. Um, and so is the body of Christ regarding this whole situation. So uh, pray for those that would be affected by this. And that we would have discernment. And that the Lord would open the doors no man can shut and shut the doors no man can open regarding these situations. And that, um, you know, for the remnant to be preserved. And that ultimately, you know, I pray even in situations like this, that the Lord's name would be glorified, that many would be saved as a result of what he would do. I know what Satan wants to do, but you know what? God has a different agenda than Satan. And who knows what he could accomplish with this. Uh, next article. Uh, entitled Lost at Sea, Oil Spill to Set to Enrich World Bankers. This is something I wasn't fully aware of. Uh, the latest revelations in the British Petroleum Gulf drilling disaster indicate the international banking firm Goldman Sachs sold over 4.68 million shares of BP stock just two days prior to the explosion of the British Petroleum drilling platform. We already reported on that. This sell-off of petroleum stock is now recognized as the largest single liquidation of petroleum stocks in the history of modern markets. And they just happened to do it right before the well blew. 
And it's fun. And Halliburton just happened to cement the oil well, according to the Los Angeles Times, 20 hours before it blew. I mean, this thing, it's so unbelievable. They're, they're just so flagrant anymore, the Illuminati. They're just beyond flagrant. With this liquidation taking place just 48 hours prior to the Gulf explosion, which now looms as America's worst ecological disaster, any intelligent mind must ask these questions. Quote, was this sell-off an act of insider trading? I mean, come on. This is, these, aren't, these are just common sense things. Uh, number two, did someone at Goldman Sachs have foreknowledge of the, of the disaster? Could the disaster have been man-made? If so, who would be the ultimate beneficiary of this event? <clears throat> Noticing that President Barack Obama's administration is now calling for new petroleum taxes to cover the colossal expenses of potential future drilling disasters, it becomes obvious that those within and behind the environmental movement and the global warming movement stand to profit from the new taxes on an enormous scale. But ultimately, the true beneficiaries of the disaster will be the international banking corporations which have controlling interests in the World Bank, Bank for International Settlements, and the International Monetary Fund, or the IMF. It is this banking triad and its controlling interests with their neck-deep involvement in what they call the Law of the Sea Treaty, otherwise known as LOST, which stand to collect many trillions of dollars over the next coming decades. LOST is a United Nations treaty that went into effect in 1994. It defines the rights and responsibilities of nations and their use of world oceans, establishing guidelines for businesses and the environment and the management of marine resources, whereas the Interstate Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution has become the king's X for the United States government to govern and override all activities of the 50 states. LOST stands to become the mechanism by which the United Nations will govern and override all activities of the 300 nations of the world. It is through LOST that all nations will lose their sovereignty to a one-world government. LOST is set to become a substantial funding instrument behind the arising New World Order. This recognition brings our attention to a statement recorded in the Bible in the book of Revelation. In this passage, a worldwide governmental system is prophetically pictured as a beast rising out of the sea. This was written around 90 AD. And now some 1900 years later, uh, we see efforts by international banking elites to finance a one-world government by collecting carbon taxes through the regulations of the Law of the Sea Treaty, or LOST. Their government is arising out of the sea. Well, interesting analogy. The environmental cap-and-trade taxes that are being promoted by the UN are taxes on carbon dioxide emissions. The UN is pushing for these taxes to be collected by these three banks that we just mentioned, the World Bank, the IMF, and the BIS, through regulations established under LOST. Incidentally, the regulations of LOST do not stop at a nation's shoreline. Any navigable rivers like the Mississippi are equally governed. The UN has already established plans for the banking triad to collect cap-and-trade taxes from 300 nations of the world. These banks will then funnel these funds to the UN for disbursement as it chooses, but only after the banks have collected their commissions and fees. So, I mean, again, this goes deeper than any of us really can even comprehend. This brings us back to the issue at hand. The looming ecological disaster created by the explosion of the BP drilling rig platform and our question, who stands to benefit? It is the international banking triad that we mentioned that will collect trillions of dollars in taxes levied under the auspices of LOST. 
any ecological disaster that occurs on the open seas expands the perception that there is a need for massive regulatory mechanisms to prevent such disasters from occurring. And again, they did it on purpose, but now it's their excuse to go in and say, oh, we need massive regulations and massive taxes to, to make sure this never happens again. It's all based on lies. And the greater the perceived magnitude of any such sea-based ecological disaster, the greater will be the perceived need for that regulatory mechanism. It thereby becomes obvious that the entities which stand again under the auspices of lost would want to magnify the public perception of immense destruction caused by any sea-based disaster. So, they're saying, they're saying everything's blown out of proportion. He goes on to say that, okay, on, on the oil leaking. Well, the way he did it and the way he did his math, I totally didn't agree with. That was where I didn't even post that part of the article. I think the first part's very valid and very true. But he was trying to totally downplay the amount of oil that's in the ocean right now. And I thought to myself, if they were trying to downplay it, if they wanted everybody to really get a, a mass perception, why would they put dispersants on it? Because when they put the dispersants on it, it sunk the oil. Now you can't see it. If they really wanted to give this visual impact, they would have let the oil float. But then they could have burned it off or they could have sucked it up a lot easier. He goes on to do all this math supposedly citing these plumes. Well, the problem with his math is that he was acting as though dogmatically that the plumes were solid. They were 10 miles long, 5 miles wide, you know, 3,000 feet deep or whatever. You can't be dogmatic about a plume, number one. Number two, when you put dispersant on it, you're breaking it up into tiny oil droplets, which makes the plume have a lot of, of water in between. There's no way you can be dogmatic about calculations when you have all these factors going on. So I totally dis- disagreed with how he did his math, but I totally agreed with this premise of, I'm, I've heard a lot about this sea treaty over the years. I haven't said a lot about it, but I, I could see this being the ultimate mechanism to fully implement it and uh, to control and to bring in the New World Order as a funding agent. Next article, uh, just a brief update. North Korean envoy warns war could erupt soon. Remember, Jesus Christ said, you know, in the end times there are going to be wars and rumors of war. See that you be not, you know, troubled. But again, they are saying, I just want to keep you up to date here, North Korean envoy said on Thursday that war could erupt at any time on the divided Korean Peninsula because of tension with Seoul over the sinking of the South Korean warship in March. Quote, the present situation of the Korean Peninsula is so grave that a war may break out at any moment. This came from Rai John Gon, North Korea's deputy ambassador in Geneva, as he told the United Nations-sponsored conference in, on disarmament. North Korean troops are in full alert and readiness to promptly react to any retaliation, including the scenario of all-out war. So that was something. Uh, next article. 26-foot-tall Anubis statue installed at Denver International Airport with video. A crew is installing a 7-ton, 26-foot-tall concrete sculpture of the Egyptian god Anubis at the Denver International Airport. Anubis is a statue with a jackal head which will be built in the Jepson Terminal. He is the Egyptian god of death and the afterlife. Uh, it's put to preview, it is being put there to preview the Denver Art Museum's King Tut exhibit, which runs from June 29th to January 9th, 2011. And Anubis will be standing guard during that time. Now, we've heard a lot about Anubis lately. And uh, Anubis, just so you know, 
is the Greek name for the jackal-headed god associated with mummification in the afterlife in Egyptian mythology. He was usually portrayed as half-human, half-jackal, so in other words, he was a Nephilim, okay? Or a full jackal form wearing a ribbon and holding a flail in the crook of his arm. He's a handsome devil. You can't take that away from him. Just kidding, teasing. Anyway, the jackal was strongly associated with cemeteries in the ancient Egypt, since it was a scavenger which threatened to uncover human bodies and eat their flesh. I mean, we're talking about a vile animal here. The distinctive black cover color of Anubis did not have anything to do with the jackal per se, but the color of rotting flesh, and with the black soil of the Nile Valley symbolizing rebirth. Illustrations from, quote, the Book of the Dead often show a priest wearing the jackal mask supporting an upright mummy. So, um, this is something that um, I've I've heard a lot about here. And I'm going to let just Steve Quayle just mention a little bit more about this Anubis character, uh, because he did a recent interview, and I'm going to let you listen to this. Okay, we're just going to hear a brief clip from Steve Quayle regarding this whole thing with Anubis. Let me share something with you, and I want your feedback. Mm -hmm. The statue Anubis is the jackal-headed god of the Egyptians. And interestingly enough, it first appeared on the London Thames River, then it appeared at Indianapolis, which, by the way, means the city of Diana in Greek mythology. Then it appeared, I believe, either in Pittsburgh, and the next place it appeared was New York. And today, the stories that are being carried is they're erecting it at the New World Order's capital for the ten regions of the former United States called Denver, at the Denver International Airport. Now, what's interesting is, is if we talk about the first Babylon and we talk about Daniel's amazing vision, Daniel's vision of Nebuchadnezzar's statue, statues always have prophetic and historic significance. A jackal, I don't know if you pay much attention to this stuff, Trevor, but the the jackal was always depicted as a black-headed, the body of a man, but the head obviously of a jackal. Now, what was interesting, I was praying before you and I went on the radio, and the thing that became so evident to me, you know what jackals are? They're scavengers. They pick the bones of that which is left. I believe that there is a prophetic picture being so uh, amazingly painted for the people of this country that liberty, you're about ready to be devoured, that soon there's going to be death in the land that's unimaginable that most people simply can't embrace. So let me ask you this. Why is it so hard for evangelical Christians, or let's just say professing Christians, I'm not picking on them, I'm just, you know, I've obviously uh, uh, defended the position that the United States is Mystery Babylon for 37 or 38 years, so what is your take on it? Because, you know, we talk about the hardening of the heart, Scripture talks about it, and basically God's saying, what more could I do? And yet there is no jealousy for the Lord God of hosts. There is no fear of the Lord in the land. Uh, There's a social gospel which has nothing to do with redemption. And yet there is a belittling of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an attack on the very throne of heaven. Men are getting ready to make war against the Lord God of heaven. And still, the band plays on, the people go on playing in the streets, and, and there is no national repentance or even a call for it. So give me your take. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of, he, he got into the Anubis thing, and then he got off um, a little bit into another subject, which is also valid. Uh, but anyway, I just kind of wanted to mention that to you. Uh, I also give you a uh, link to a documentary that you can watch. It's only about uh, 10 or 12 minutes on the Denver airport. Uh, 
and it's like a little two-part YouTube thing you can watch, and, and it's very um, very insightful. There were some things in there I wasn't even fully aware of about the Denver airport. The Denver, and you notice that he said Denver airport or Denver is going to be as designated to be the capital of when the when the world is divided into ten different regions, it will end up being the capital for this uh, North American region. And this is one of the reasons why the Denver airport uh, is so significant. All the stuff they've done there, all the stuff they've done underground. And now they've got this Anubis thing there, which is this basically the god of death and destruction that they've got outside. And, and it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing all the parallels you can look at here. Uh, next article here is um, entitled Advocacy Group Protests Comedy Central's New Anti-Christian Series. Just weeks after Comedy Central executives censored a program due to its controversial portrayal of Muhammad, the network has been many up in arms with the announcement of a new development series about God and Jesus Christ. Just weeks ago, Comedy Central executives censored a program due to its controversial portrayal of Muhammad. Um, and this is all very redundant, this first thing here. Anyway, they, they've just announced an in-development series entitled J.C., a situation comedy about God and Jesus Christ. According to Comedy Central's thumbnail sketch, the potential series will present J.C., or Jesus Christ, as a regular guy who moves to New York to escape his father's enormous shadow, while God is characterized as an apathetic man who would rather play video games than listen to his son open up about the life in the Big Apple. This is how blasphemous it's getting, folks, and this is how little fear of God anyone has. In response to this announcement, distraught leaders from the Citizens Against Religious Bigotry, which includes representatives from organizations such as Media Research Center, Parent Television Council, American Alliance of Jews and Christians, are holding a news conference this Thursday to, quote, denounce the project and the concept of glorifying religious bigotry, as they believe Comedy Central openly mocks and disparages God and Christianity while taking strict measures not to ridicule Islam. Now, after all the stuff we've just talked about Islam today, doesn't this really boil your blood? The Joint Coalition also intends to release the names of those companies who both do and don't buy advertising spots on JC. After we reveal the vile and offensive nature of Comedy Central's previous characterizations, characterizations of Jesus Christ and God the Father, we expect these advertisers to agree wholeheartedly to end their advertising in Comedy Central. Well, if they do, I'm sure they'll just do it begrudgingly. You know, not because they're holy, that's for sure. And then to discontinue their support for unabashed anti-Christian discrimination, said Media Research Center President Brent Bozel. Why should they be supporting a business that makes a habit of attacking Christianity, and yet has a formal policy to censor anything considered offensive to the followers of Islam? The double standard is pure bigotry, one which advertisers should quickly shy away from. Now, there's a link here. You can go in to see a mash, a whole compilation, of some of Comedy Central's past portrayals of Jesus Christ. I don't advise you click on it. It's sickening. I mean, it is beyond blasphemous. It's sickening. Um, a lot of it comes from South Park, from, from what I could gather, from the little bit that I watched. That... The fact that they're even, the South Park is even on the air, it literally should be something that if you if you ever see it or, or, or to pray against it, it is the most wicked, 
vile, disgusting garbage. But see, I've said this in times past. They have found out, the New World Order has found out, that they can get away with so much more in cartoons than they could ever get away with in with using humans. And what they're doing is desensitizing and desensitizing through the cartoons. Through cartoons like Family Guy, South Park, what was that one, American Dad or something? I don't know. Simpsons to a certain extent too, but South Park is, I think, on the cutting edge. And I, I know there's other ones that have come out. I can't think of them all. But they are so blasphemous that, you know... <sighs> I just think these are things we should we should pray about because they really should make you make you righteous and indignant. They're they're just unbelievable. Uh, going further, it says as of Thursday, others who are outraged by the concept of JC, the show JC, will be able to sign an online grassroots petition. And I give you the link there; you can click on, sign it, condemning the development cartoon series and its parent company Viacom, as well as stand up to what CARB. Carb is calling an egregious double standard in the way Hollywood and popular culture treats Christianity. I give you all the links here. I give you a link to all the Viacom brands, and you'll be surprised at all the brands that they own. Um, the phone number, now I had a, a brother up in um, Florida area email me, and he had actually called Viacom's president and CEO, Mr. Philip Dalman, and his number is 212-258-6000, 212-258-6000, and just simply ask for him by name. You will most likely get his personal secretary for whom you can leave a message. That's what he did two different occasions. And he gave me a detailed email account, but for time's sake today, we just we can't go into the whole thing, but it's something that um, you have the option there. I'll also give you the, the address for Viacom as well. So, anyway, if you feel led, um, you might want to act on some of these things. The online petition would only take you a few minutes to fill out. Next article. With Obama's blessing, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Month kicks off for January. The day after the House and the Senate Committee voted to repeal the U.S. military's ban on homosexuals openly serving in the military, President Obama then ushered in another month-long celebration of the homosexual lifestyle. As he did last year, and as President Bill Clinton did for the first time in 2000, Obama proclaimed the month of June as Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Pride Month. Obama's proclamation on Friday, and I give you a link you can click on, you can read the whole official White House proclamation, touts how his administration has, quote, advanced our journey in what he describes as a movement of fairness and equality for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community. He cites specifically the signing into law of the controversial hate crimes legislation, which again, literally, should be outlawed in the Bible if they were really implementing it, and the elimination of HIV entry ban into the U.S. Uh, I think the U.S. military. Anyway, the proclamation also delineates the president's intentions to repeal the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, so he wants to get rid of that, just have it, anything goes, any gay guy can marry whoever, any transgender, whatever. And then to secure adoption rights for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered families. And to bring the military's, quote, don't ask, don't tell policy to an end. Every, it's like everything this guy wants to do just about is just wicked to the core. And again, these are things that you can pray about. And um, 
It's just wickedness on every side. But that's the end times. That's the Bible said it was going to be this way. You know? Next article. Gay Day at Disney is kicking off this weekend. Uh, Disney is about to host its annual Gay Day at its facility in Orlando. The Saturday, June 5th, which already was yesterday, there will be approximately fifteen to 20,000 reveling homosexual, lesbian, and transgender people in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, reports Doug David Caton, founder of Florida Family Association. He says, quote, I want to encourage people who have plans of attending the Magic Kingdom or on that date to avoid it. Please. You shouldn't even remotely even think about going to that abomination. I don't even, I try to avoid Orlando at all costs anymore. I mean, it's totally the world and we're not supposed to, to be lovers of the world and these types of things and, and, and we're just not supposed to do these things. Um, love not the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in them. So, the Orlando to me is the world. Okay, I'm not saying every single thing in there is, but most of it is. And <clears throat> avoiding I mean, what, so you can reschedule your vacation? We'll just go a week after. We'll really show them. You're still giving them your money. And I have done, I give you the link to the 46-part teaching I did on Disney. Now, it's 46 split into 10-minute segments. So it's 460 minutes of teaching I did exposing Disney. I give you the link to that. It's on YouTube. You can also find it on contendingfordruth.com. But um, we're going, in fact, I'm going to try to revamp the contendingfortruth.com. We're going to try to simplify it a little bit more and um, make it a little more user-friendly here uh, uh, very shortly. Uh, going further, let's see here. Um, then he goes on to say it's a, it's a distasteful event. Well, you know, why isn't he saying, Ben, you, nobody should have any right of going to Disney? It is one of the most vile organizations on the face of the planet. And I, again, I documented it in the teaching that we did. <clears throat> he Then he, he says, Saturday's observance falls in the midst of Orlando's annual week-long gay days. So, see, this is all part of a week-long thing in Orlando called gay days. <clears throat> Excuse me. Celebration that boasts of attracting more than 150,000 gay and lesbian travelers. Websites report that homosexuals wear red that day at Walt Disney World to identify themselves to others. Caden says that over the years he has witnessed two to 3,000 people who have left the park after learning it was packed that day with homosexuals. The event is always staged on the first Saturday of June, which coincidentally enough is about the same time that most public schools break for summer and explains that activists have a reason for that, as there are anywhere between fifty to 70,000 children in the theme park on that day. Fifty to 70,000. For many of them, it's the, literally their first day of summer. Okay? And we believe the reason they're doing this is because they want to have a captive audience of children so that they can indoctrinate them into this whole debauched gay... And think of all the devils and demons that are there during that time. Because these gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexuals are full of demons. And they're bringing them into the magic kingdom. And they, they, what they want to do is they want to shove it down your throat. And they want to indoctrinate you. And they want to indoctrinate your kids. And if you're in, if you're in a situation like this, unless your parents would take you out of there, you know, they kind of have a captive audience. And I'm telling you, I have read accounts of what goes on there. 
And it's it's really, 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 really bad. Open sex acts, the whole nine yards. I've heard accounts of stuff going on down there like that with these with these devils. As he has monitored the park during the annual homosexual fest at Disney, Katon notes that there have been many reports of obvious debauchery involving homosexuals. The major corporate sponsors this year of Gay Day's observance at Disney World is Anheuser-Busch, the ones that make all the beer. Other sponsors include Blue Man Group and the Florida Department of Health. What? Florida Department of Health? Yeah, what are they trying to do, prevent the spread of AIDS or something? Or What is their deal with that? So anyway, I give you my link to the, the 460-minute teaching I did on this. Um, I have, give a link uh, where you can send an email to Dauber, Robert Igger, the CEO of Disney and other Disney officials regarding Gay Day. I also give you their, their separate email addresses and names. I also give you the address to Walt Disney and their phone numbers and fax numbers. So, again, I try to give you everything that you can do to, to be proactive regarding these things. Okay, we've come to the end of the teaching, and um, I'll go ahead and close this out. Oh, before, um, I've got two more links at the end, and I, I put this out separately in an email. One was this woman that was at the forefront and the spear tip of the Zeitgeist movement, uh, who was in the Zeitgeist movie and the Zeitgeist Adenum, Akashra S. Akara S., I think. Um, what she's doing is she's went up and she's flagging the um, Aquarius Age of Evil, the documentary I was in, Keith Thompson did, not only me, but a lot of other people were in it. And she's censoring it, trying to get it banned off, off YouTube, okay, already. She already ha- got Keith Thompson's version of it down. So I give you a link here to watch before it's pulled. And I also give you the link, again, if you want to buy the DVD. I don't make any money off the DVD. I'm just, you know, I think you should be rewarded. And it's a really good, it's probably, it's a two-disc set. I think it's like $25. And it is the best uh, expose I have ever seen of the whole subject of Maitreya, Krem, the United Nations, Lucius Trust, Alice Bailey, Madame Blavatsky, the whole New Age movement, how it ties in with the One World Government and the Antichrist. Best thing I've ever seen. Not just not because I'm interviewed and I'm just talking. It, it is. If I hadn't have been interviewed at all, it would still be the best thing that I had seen. Very, very impeccably documented. So, anyway, I give you that. Um, Keith Thompson and Eric Blame, both good friends of mine, they put this together. They also interview Constance Cumby and Chris White. And uh, it's very, very good. Really good. So um, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all you've given us, Lord. I do pray, God, for your divine intervention regarding these matters that we have brought up today, regarding Israel and this situation there, Lord God. I, I pray, God, above all, regarding all these situations, that your will be done. And I know many times your ways are not our ways. It's just hard to see um, all these lies being perpetuated and, and, and put forth and I just pray, God, that in as much as it be your will, you just give the people that are blinded to these things eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear. And that many would be saved as a result of your efforts intervening in these situations. That, that Lord God, if it be your will, that you would plug this leak in the gulf, Lord, that you would stop this oil. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. 
And I just pray, God, that this oil that's spilling and they're defiling your earth, Lord, I just pray to God it would stop in the name of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, and through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You said in your word, it's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. I pray to God for your divine, holy intervention regarding these matters, Lord God, that your name would be glorified, that many would be saved, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.